Grab your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. We're in a new chapter. Woo! Eighteen. We're going to be in uh, verses uh, one through eight here this morning. And stand with me, if you will, when you get it. Luke chapter eighteen, verses one through eight. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't feel fear God or respect people, and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying. Give me justice against my adversary. 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 She kept saying it. For a while, he was unwilling. But later, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open it to us. Reveal to us the heart of the Father. Reveal to us the heart of you and your desire to engage with us and for us to come to you to seek shalom, to seek peace. And Lord, we, and give us faith that we believe that you will answer when we call. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. A couple of ways I wanted to see, us to see this passage here this morning. So the first one is, have you ever seen um, a dog when there's a thunderstorm? What does a dog do? It freaks out. You know, what, does it, what does it do? It runs to its owner, right? So in, during her last days, Uber became super fearful. She had, you know, her demeanor completely changed. She went from being a super sweet, happy dog, even when she was, you know, weird and wobbly you know my kids even said you know <laughs> jackson's been learning how to spell and uh, he he said my dog is wobbly <laughs> and so he was spelling that out because she had just neurological issues had a brain you know, probably could be a, like a brain tumor or, or a growth on her on her brain stem whatever it was and uh is, is that still going by the way just making sure what's that Still going. Okay, I just want to make sure it was still going because I did not set up my backup today. So, uh, <laughs> but um, but so Uber, okay. <laughs> so Uber like she, would, she became fearful. But every time that Amberlynn came into the room and sat down, she would just jump up in the chair and like cuddle behind her, just like and just, like shaking. She was so afraid all the time. But that she knew when she came and she sat with one of us, specifically Amberlynn, that her her fears were alleviated. She calmed down. She chilled out. Right. And, and so, so we go to places, that's like, that's what Jesus was saying here is like, we go to the source of who we believe will give us that peace, will give us that satisfaction, will give us that, as they call it justice, we'll get to that here in a moment, what that word actually means. But he gives us peace. He gives us reassurance 
that everything will be okay. He gives us that resolution, that reconciliation. And the second way I wanted to illustrate this morning is, have you ever had children who would not leave you alone? <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> like, even this morning, you know, bless her heart, Hazel just came into there. She was like, just trying to ask me a question in the middle of me praying with us around the, around the prayer group as we prayed together this morning, as we do every Sunday morning. It's like, daddy, 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 shh, daddy, daddy, shh. what? I got to go potty. Go! <laughs> it's not what she said this morning, but she often does that. <laughs> but it's just that, that constant pestering, pestering, right? Um, you're like, what? And you're like, I got to go potty. Go! <laughs> you don't have to ask, you know? Um, but so, and so we can see this passage in, in two of these ways. We go to the one that we believe will give us our answer, will give us hope, will give us peace, will give us relationship, will give us connection, will give us that which our heart longs for and desires, right? Um, deepest desire, not just I want a million bucks, God. He's not going to give you a million bucks. No, it's not like that, that kind of thing where he's like, you know, rubs a genie and like pops out. What do you want? Not that kind of, not that kind of thing. We'll, we'll get that in here in, in, in a minute. But uh, so the main thing is that God wants to spend time with you. That's, the, that's what our, our sermon is called this morning. God wants to spend time with you. And my main point this morning is actually a question. Do you believe that God wants to spend time with you. Yes. But think about this. Before you speak it out loud, write in your notes. Write that question in your notes. Do I believe? Do I truly, even like maybe preface it, do I truly believe that God, the God of the universe, the God of the heavens and the earth, the God who created all things, who created the Sahara Desert, who created Mount Sinai, who created Mount Kilimanjaro, who created Mount Everest, who created the valleys, who created Belgrade, the Gallatin Valley, who created Glacier National Park, who created you, who created your enemy, who created the Russians, who created the Ukrainians, who created fill in the blank. He created everything. And he holds all things together by the word of his power. He is sovereign over all. He is all-powerful over all. He is all-knowing over all. And yet he wants to spend time with you. Do you believe that the God of this universe wants to spend time with you? Because if we really did, we would if we really believed that God, the God of this universe, who is good and overall, wants to spend time with you, you would spend time with him. You would desire and want to spend time with him. Why? Because he wants to spend time. He's not waiting for you to be good enough to spend time with him. He's not saying, well, are, you, are we good right now? Like, have you stopped sinning? Stop doing that stupid thing I kept telling you not to do? And you've repented well enough and said sorry, and you know, good enough for me, for me to want to have you in my presence. He wants to spend time with you because he wants you to spend time with him. 
He has taken away all the barriers away from you. He wants you to be in his presence. Like the, thing I always, the way that I always preach it, right? You know, we, he's, you know, in Hebrews it says, we come before his throne with, you know, with confidence, right? We can march, we can burst through the doors like Esther did, not fearing for our life, but because it's where we belong. It is our rightful place. Do we believe that that is our rightful place? Because if we did, we would. Because there's great power, there's great peace in the presence of God. Because God wants you to be at peace. God wants you to be in his presence. God wants you to experience all of his goodness, all of his joy, all of his hope, no matter what's going on around us. I preached last week. The rightful position of warfare is, that is the rightful position. That is what spiritual warfare looks like. Is praying, is speaking the words of God through prayer. The double-edged sword, right? Is one edge is the actual written words of God, the spoken words of God. And then the other side is us speaking them in agreement with him. That's what that ancient, you know, ancient Jewish way of, of, of speaking about the double-edged sword is. God's word slices and we finish it off, right? God's word goes in for the slice across the torso and then the back end comes to de- decapitate the enemy with the word of God. This is the rightful position for warfare. It's the rightful posture also for peace. The, pri- the rightful context of this passage is actually found in, in the first, first words now, the way that the CSB translated it is now, but it, the, the proper word, way of translating it, I believe, is, is the word then. The word then, the context of this passage is the then. What is the then? It's, like, it's almost like the therefore, right? What is, you know, whenever you see the word therefore, you go in the context before it to find out what the therefore is therefore, right? So you go backwards, and so our context is last week. And what was our concept last week? The insurgents of the kingdom of God. The great day of the Lord, right? Which is God coming in. In the context of this passage is that word then. And this is why he says our passage today. With, the, with all that in mind, the great day of the Lord, which we, which we now know from last week. If you haven't watched it, go back last week, watch last week's sermon. Um, the insurgents of the kingdom of God is the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 is specifically what Jesus is talking about, which we'll get to in a couple months with um, Luke chapter 21 and his Olivet Discourse. But the, the great day of the Lord for this context is the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel and the entire Jewish way of life, the entire Jewish system and authority in AD 70. And so this is why he tells them to what? To pray always. This is the, the reason why he's telling his disciples, this is coming. The poop is about to hit the prover- proverbial fan, right? It's going to happen. Stuff's going to get real. They're going to deliver you over to synagogues and to leaders and to the Pharisees and the chief priests. Have you killed, exiled, 
right? Stephen is a great example of this. Stephen preached the gospel fervently and passionately, and he was stoned to death. This will happen to you. Stephen's listening to this sermon right now. Stephen is following Jesus right now. He's listening to these words that Jesus is saying to him. No matter if you get persecuted, no matter if you get exiled, no matter if you get kicked out of the synagogues, no matter if they bring you before their councils and stone you to death, torture you, boil you alive in, in oil, behead you, run you through this with a spear, stab you with a sword, no matter if they cut you off and let you live, but you're living in destitution. No matter if they take your lands, crush your home, start all sorts of rumors about you, separate from you relationally, try to separate you from others, distort you, no matter what they do to you, pray always. Pray always. Don't give up. This is actually perhaps the central point and purpose for Luke writing this entire gospel. John had his, right? At the end of John, he said, this is why I wrote this. He said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. Well, he said, but these are written. I wrote the book of John, right? John is saying, this is the reason why I wrote my gospel. Why? These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the end of John 20. So Luke, Luke is saying, others have written gospel accounts, but I wrote mine so that you would always remember this. Pray. Pray always and don't give up. Pray always and don't give up. Keep praying. Don't give up. Engage. Keep going. Don't give up. Fight the good fight. Press on, look up, buck up, endure, keep going. Perhaps this is the whole point of Luke's entire gospel. Don't let depression get you. Don't let the lies of the enemy, don't get loneliness get you. Get in church. (laughs) Not just in this gathering here, get with the church. Get with his people and then you won't be alone. That's why I gave you the church. That's why this, the gathering, going out for lunch, going out for, to each other's homes, spending time with each other at groups, getting, going out for a beer together, going backpacking together. Do things together. Be with one another. We are God's gift to one another. Do you understand that? We are God, you are God's gift to someone else. And someone else is a, is a gift to you. Keep praying because God says, I'm also a gift to you and you are a gift to me. So I created you in the first place. And, I, that, and the way that I want you to know of the goodness of our relationship is by putting you with people to show you that goodness as well. Praying and prophesying over one another, encouraging each other, exhorting one another, correcting each other when we do stupid things so that we'll stop doing stupid things so that we can enjoy joyful things. That's the reason for correction and, re- and rebuking is so that you stop eating the nasty, you know, poopy bur- burger that's been in the gutter for a week and you're missing the filet mignon. That's what rebuking is. Stop it. Stop doing that which is hurting you. Stop isolating yourself. 
Stop thinking so much about yourself. Think about others. Keep going. Keep praying. Focus your life. Because why? Because prayer helps you to do four things. I want you to write these down. Prayer helps you to do four things. One, and first and foremost, if you get nothing out of this time this morning, get this. Prayer helps you to know God. To encounter the heart of the Father. That's why Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. What were the first words out of his mouth? Our Father. A, that he's a father, and B, that he's communal. Our. He's not just individualistic. We need to stop thinking about our salvation as individualistic, that God saved me. God saved us. God loves us. And we are, we, me, am part of we, yes. But our faith is communal. God wants to spend time in relationship with you. There is a, that, me and, that me and Jesus. God wants to spend time with you. Why? For you to know him. And why does he want you to know him? Because knowing God brings wisdom of everything in this world. You can't understand the truth of anything in this world without God. The one who actually made it. The one who actually created it. It puts everything into perspective. It puts the good, the bad, the ugly, the joyful, the the trials, the discouraging, the encouraging. It puts everything into its proper perspective. Right? It draws all of you, body, soul, and spirit, into his presence. And even if we never get any question to, any answer to any of our questions, our answer, our ultimate answer is his presence. It doesn't matter what the question is. The answer is his presence. Because either it'll alleviate that question and show it to be a dumb question, or it'll give you a a greater answer than you were even thinking was possible. Just simply by being in his presence. God, why did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? Well, he'll give you the answer just simply by his presence. God, why did this great disaster happen? doesn't matter i'm with you it doesn't matter i'm enjoying god i don't care that the stock markets are crashing and there's wars across the world and world war world war three has begun and we're just waiting for that next thing that next you know shoot a drop that next thing to happen that next crisis or i don't care like it doesn't matter any none of this matters i just want to be with god and be with his people. Number two, God, I'm sorry, prayer helps you to release cares. We got chickens. We got chickens. We got chickens? We got chicks. Oh, wow. We got a little, little, little thing, and, and then Amberlynn and I, we, you know, made a, made a, a brood box. He's pretty tall, and he's got the light still, and, you know, they're getting pretty big. I'm, you, know, you know, Rosie's getting pretty big. You know, Queenie stopped being a jerk to, to Peggy, you know, poking her butt. And making her bleed. <laughs> you know, we have, we have chickens. It's great. We've been spending these last few weeks with them. It's been so much fun, right? And I enjoyed just, you know, like this morning, because we, we moved them up to the, to, the, to the kitchen, which is where I finish preparing for Sunday mornings, is at the kitchen table. And I just enjoy sitting there and watching them and being fascinated by them, being entertained by them, right? Watching how they kind of like flutter and, and kind of chase each other. 
And Rosie's up trying to get out. She's like poking over the little, over the screens, like, can I get out? And Emily's like, don't you try it. You know, you know almost like more kids. You know? <laughs> you know, even picking them up and caring for them. And, but really, I only want to know them in, you know, so much as they're able to provide a service for me. You know, agriculture, you know, they're helping us, they're going to help, they're going to help us with our agriculture, with composting, scratching and, and eating and, and turning things over and, right, creating good, you know, compost for our, you know, and mulch for our, our garden. And, of course, eggs. <laughs> oh, I miss having farm fresh eggs. Thank you so much, Gloria. <laughs> She's been our, our, our uh, provider for farm fresh eggs recently, so... Um, Congratulations. so we, we had chickens and so, and I enjoy them, but only so much as what they can provide for me. And so if I know how to, but I, we provide good things for our chickens. We provide them shelter, a bigger, bigger brood. We're going to build them a, a, uh, a, a coop, right? We're going to build them a run. We're going to keep their wings trimmed so they don't run away and get hit by a car, right? We're going to protect them. We're going to care for them. We're going to feed them scraps. <laughs> we're going to take care of them. Why? Because they provide us a service. And if we who are in this world and human know how to care for chickens, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to care for you? He knows everything about you already. Way more. Here's the thing. Even then you know about yourself. Which we'll get to later. But unless you know Him, you know nothing. Unless you get into his presence, you know nothing. You don't have his perspective. You don't have his worldview. You don't have his hope. If you can do it, it will fail. If it's through your strength, it will not endure. God knows and God cares. He doesn't care about what you give. Or provide for him. That's not why he loves you. In fact, Paul even said that to the Areopagus. He said, then, uh, this is what he said to them. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands or works of our hands. He doesn't, right? Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things he doesn't care what you can give him he doesn't care he doesn't need what you can provide he gives you everything but he gives us so this place this opportunity to put put ourselves into a posture before him and we place ourselves in a posture of welcome that we are welcome right that we belong in his presence is a rightful place that we belong with him, that we are wanted and we put ourselves in a posture that shows that I believe that I am wanted. Like children, which we'll get to next week. But here's the thing about God is that he doesn't need us. He wants to draw us so that we can release our cares to him, to give him our hearts, to give him our worries, to give him our wrestling. We can unleash our cares and release our cares 
because we believe the one we are spilling out our guts to actually cares about you, actually cares about us and wants us to be okay. We can just vomit all over him and he'll be like, all right, give me more, right? This is difficult to do. Uh, this passage, right, is, is difficult to, to read when it comes to your children, right? Because think about like the context of this passage when he's talking about um, justice, like give me justice, give me, which we'll get to in a second. Um, he, he wants us to give, he wants to give us justice um, but think about like, you know, with our kids, like Jackson and Hazel, Jackson wants justice against Hazel, but I want to love Hazel. But I also want to love Jackson. So how do I give Jackson justice and love him, him and his sister and show them my, my heart. This is the way that the father loves us. This is the way that the father brings us in because he cares about us. He cares about all of us. He cares about people that are, that you would name your enemy. He cares about them. So how does he give you justice and give them care? He does both, as a great and perfect parent does. I'm not one of those. Sometimes I maybe give more justice than, I, than care. Sometimes when I'm fighting for justice between my children, right? Go here, Rob! I'll be there in a minute! But how do I show Hazel that she's loving, or, you know, that she's wonderful and loved, even after she just like, you know, sucker punched her brother. You know, he had it coming though too. <laughs> but, he said, but Jesus, you know, Jesus is saying, he, God cares for you. God cares for you. God cares about your enemy. He wants them to be transformed just like he wants your life to be transformed. He invites you in. But he says, that's why he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all your cares on him. Release your cares. Why? Because he cares about you. He invites you to release your cares. That's what prayer helps you to do. Number three, it helps you to find healing. God knows everything about you. Like we said, even more than you know about yourself. And so you want to know about more about your personality, your, your strengths and your weaknesses, right? Your struggles, why things happen, how to have breakthrough in certain areas of your life. Go to the one who had this, you know, as the woman at the well in Samaria experienced, the one who told me everything I ever did. Go to the one who already knows. And he wants to bring that healing. He wants to bring that right thinking to your wrong thinking. God desires to bring wisdom and healing it says in James 5, you know, do you lack wisdom? He should ask God. Does any of you lack wisdom? He should ask God. What? Who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. You don't have to like suck it out of him. After wisdom, he'll lavish it on you because he wants you generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. <clears throat> wisdom and insight into our hurts in our, you know, our stinking thinking, you know, the old tapes we talk about, right? We are, we are saved and, and covered. All of our sin is forgiven and all of our un, unrighteousness and uncleanliness is cleansed. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And there's these, these areas of our lives, these areas of our thinking, of our processing, we call old tapes. The way that we've always responded to something which has been wrong. And so God wants to come in and erase those, 
overwrite them. Is a stinking thinking, right? Wisdom and insights into our hurts and our stinking thinking helps us to live more and more and more free. When we have understanding, when we recognize that the stinking thinking is a stinking thinking, we'll get it out and override it with right thinking. That's what it means to be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. By the recording over of those old tapes. By the right thinking replacing the stinking thinking. And so this is, God gives us wisdom and insight into these areas so that we can live more and more free, more and more at peace, more and more like the image of God. And when we live in the, in the freedom that God has given us, we will live the holy and righteous and joy-filled lives that God desires for us and that we desire for ourselves. We replace the stinking thinking with, with freedom thinking. We live that out. We find healing from the hurts that other people have caused and the hurts that we have caused ourselves. We will find that healing. We cry out in the midst of knowing that, one, God is able to answer, that two, God will answer, three, that we can trust him with the timing because, like number two, God cares. Because we believe and know that God cares. And number four, helps us to fight the good fight. This passage is all, like we talked about, this passage is all about the great day of the Lord. You know, for their context, it was, the, it was AD 70. But again, like all day of the Lord prophetic words, right, from Daniel all the way back to the Old Testament, right, there's always that, that proclamation of the great day of the Lord that's both immediate, poop's going to hit the fan, things are going to change. It may not be what you want, but it's going to change. Culture is going to change. The world will no longer be the same. Everything will be different because of a great day of the Lord, because of a great time when God is coming and bringing justice, bringing judgment upon wicked people in order to establish righteousness. Right. So for them, in this context, in, in Luke, it's, the, it's AD 70, but there's that shadow of the great and final day of the Lord, of the final return of the of King Jesus. No longer the suffering servant on a cross, now a risen Savior with a crown on a throne. And the only reason he would step off of the throne is to get on his white horse with his double-edged sword coming out of his mouth with his robe dipped in the blood of his enemies. That is our King today. That is our King Jesus. That is who we pray to in the Spirit. That is who we prophesy from in the Spirit. That is who we live our lives with today. And that God wants you to know Him. Wants you to release your cares upon Him. Wants you to go to Him to find healing. And He wants you to go to Him so that you would fight the good fight of life struggles, but also kicking Satan to the curb. Kicking the devil and his demons out of areas that he has unrightfully taken and advancing the kingdom of God forward. Bringing restoration and healing. 
Justice. This is where we get to this part at the end of our passage here. Justice. This word literally means vengeance. The robe dipped in blood. Dipped in the blood of whose enemies? Yours? No. God's. And who are God's enemies? The captors. Who are our enemies typically? The captives. So that's why we don't fight against the captives. We don't fight against the people that we disagree with politically or faithfully or with people that we disagree with or have had butting heads with. Even hard, very heavy, detailed divisions and broken relationships that have caused bitterness, division, and strife. We find healing in those. We fight for them, we don't fight with them. And how do we do that? We fight the captive. I'm sorry, we, we fight the captor of the captive. That means praying for them. That means interceding for them. That means persevering to set them free so that they can experience the power and the joy and the freedom of Jesus Christ through the filling of his Holy Spirit. This is the whole point of the narrative here. This is the whole point. The whole point of the narrative here is, is this uncaring, ungodly judge finally acts because the widow's continual barrage of asking. Like a toddler barraging their parents. What? How much more will God answer those who love him and are faithful to him and spend time with him? As the Bible says, cry out. What is it? Will not God grant vengeance? Here it is to his elect, his beloved, who cry out to him day and night. Will he delay helping them? Of course, the assumed answer is no, he will not delay. I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that faith? Will he find those reaching out to him? Will he find those on earth? There's a similar narrative in Matthew. Ask and it will be given to you. This is prayer. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is, this is a comparison. You know, earthly father who knows how to give, give good gifts to his children is like our ruler who neither fears God nor respects man. Our heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to those who ask him is like our heavenly father in this passage who will give justice will give restoration, will give, as the word says, vengeance. When evil happens, it will not go unsettled. It will get settled one day or another. So that's why when people offend us, when people are completely against what we believe to be godly, right? And we want God to destroy them and come down upon them, he will. But do we desire God's 
utter and complete destruction on someone? Or would we rather God's deliverance on them, his mercy on them to draw them in and transform their life just like he did ours, to bring restoration in their own life? Because for those who don't come to faith in Jesus, his vengeance will fall on them. That's why he says, that's all the context of this, in the face of great trial, of suffering, injustice, hardship, persecution, and difficulty, what? Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep going. Persevere. This isn't like a pray once and get over it. Like I'm, there was a time when I was working at a summer camp in 04, and one of the, the girls on staff um, was <laughs> interesting. Um, but there was a guy whose who's mom um, had d- just died of cancer. One of the staff members. So he went, went to, flew home for her funeral. And he came back. He came back to work the rest of the summer camp for that summer. And he kept praying, guys, I'm really, I'm, I miss my mom. I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm wrestling with this. And this girl was like, we prayed for you last week. And you should have enough faith that you pray it once and God will do it. And so it's like, it's like, it's like, no, that's not how it works. Like you pray for once and have faith then, and just walk, walk away from it and don't worry about it anymore. Or it's dying, dying. <clears throat> and so, but that's the thing is like, keep going, keep striving, keep going. You will go through times of depression. You will go through times of loneliness. You will go through times of trial. You will go through hardships, injustice, suffering, persecution, difficulty, trials, right? Keep going. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. God is not slow. God is not... God, does, God, God doesn't operate on your timing. Right? This is Second uh, Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> I don't want to read this. Read, listen to these words as though Peter's writing it to you today. Right? Talking about the great day of the Lord. This is Second Peter chapter, two, chapter 3. Dear friends, this is, now, this is now the second letter I have written to you. In both letters, I want to stir you, stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, be aware of this. Get on the edge of the seats, guys. Scoffers will come in the last days, mocking, scoffing, and following their own evil desires, saying, ha! Where's the, this his coming that he promised? Ever since your, our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue. They have been since the beginning of creation. Basically saying, where is your God? We have science to explain the mysteries of the universe to us today. Where's your God? They deliberately overlook this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Dear friends, Belgradians, Shifties, don't, I'm sorry, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. 
The Lord does not delay or is not slow with his promise, as some understand delay or slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to metanoia, to repentance, to change, to life change. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. It's going to be obvious. Ain't no one going to miss it. The elements will be burned and dissolved and the earth and the works on it will be, dis- will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dis- dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, because, because of that day the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him, he speaks about things these things in all his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them. Is it hard to understand Paul sometimes? Uh-huh. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard. Chief Church, be on your guard. So that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God is not slow. So we can go with the flow. Remembering that God's the one that created the heavens and the earth and that one day he will come back and restore all things of which we wait for. Which begs the question again, brings us back to our question. Do you believe that God wants to spend time with you during this time of trial, tribulation, suffering, worry, anxiety, loneliness, depression? We can get tired out. We can get tired of the constant fight. We can get tired of the crisis after crisis after crisis news article after news article after news article. War, war, another rumor of war. Oh, another rumor of another war. Another another article. Another mandate. Another this, another that. You get worn down. But take heart. God has overcome the world. God has overcome political parties. God has overcome other nations. God has overcome and will overcome. We serve the overcoming creator God of the universe who wants to what? Spend time with you. To show you that he's with you. Vengeance will come. He will will be with you to give you peace, to give you hope, to give you purpose in the midst of the striving, in the midst of the poop hitting the fan. Engage. Keep your eye on eternity. 
love one another and be loved by one another. In this way, God will show us his presence. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you want to spend time with us, that you want to show us your, your hope, that you, are, that, that you are our solid rock, that we can build the foundation of our lives on you, that we can be with you, that we can be still, Lord, and just simply be with you without striving, without worry, without anxiety, without, without shame, without guilt and condemnation. We can come before you and lay it all down. Lay down our worries, lay down our old tapes, lay down our stinking thinking, lay down our wrong action, lay down our worries, lay down our hurts, the things that have happened to us, lay down other people that we can release our cares to you, God, and find healing, find peace, find forgiveness, find restoration, find grace and mercy for ourselves and others, and empowerment to fight, to keep going, to endure, to persevere. Thank you, God, that you are the God of hope. You are our hope, Lord Jesus. As we spend time in in these next moments to respond and reflect on, on you and what you're calling us to do. God, I pray that your spirit would be poured out. And Lord, that you would stir within us your purposes. Stir within us your peace. We love you, Lord Jesus. Teach us. Walk with us. First in Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen.